I'm Luka Doncic and this is Lockdown Mavericks Podcast. To watch Andre Drummond before the game, sit on the sideline, then go to the back and then come out in street clothes because a team is going to trade him is bull. Welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And I am joined, first time, I think, by host of Locked On Cavs, Evan Damerel. Wave, Evan. Hello. Hey, <laughs> how's everyone doing? It's good to be uh it's good to be in Dallas. I learned over the weekend that uh Nick is actually from my hometown in Southern Ohio, but yes. he got out of there as soon as he could. So it's a little bit of a small world. Ohio, a great place to be from and leave. <laughs> after a while matt I'm shook who would here. agree with that is also joining from lockdown pistons and this is the andre drummond show I, I finally caved i took to the twitter pressure and we needed to have just a discussion with two guys that have watched this guy play a lot so uh we'll start with matt shook matt you, do you miss andre drummond no, we have not done a lot of tribute episodes of Andre Drummond, and we were talking before we recorded that it gets there's a little much in the negative in terms of Andre Drummond, and it's mostly because of that contract. But no, Pistons fans have not spent a lot of time, and yes, we're at the very bottom of the NBA basically. And uh, but there's young players in the cap space that was brought in from the trade with the Cavs this time last year has been something that Pistons fans have coveted and it worked out pretty well so far for them in terms of looking ahead to the future so no there has not been a lot of looking (laughs) back with disgust of getting rid of Andre Drummond despite the fact that they didn't get anything for him basically on today's episode, today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code LOCKDOWN, you'll get 20% off your next order. So, how today is going to work, I have Evan from Locked On Cavs, who is currently watching Andre Drummond. Actually, not not actually currently, I guess. He's not really playing, but has been watching him this year. Matt Shook, who watched him for probably way too long in Detroit. They cover their teams every single day on their respective Locked On shows. And so, I wanted to get an actual opinion of people that have watched. So, we're going to go over what is he as a player? What are the positives? What are the negatives? what happened in the situation in Cleveland and then back a while ago in Detroit what happened with that and then what would an actual deal be for Andre Drummond because and the reason why we're doing this I know some listeners are probably like you guys talk about Andre Drummond so much it's because it always is mentioned to us every single mailbag we ever have probably for the last two years Andre Drummond's name has come up in some way and the Mavericks do have a center problem they have Willie Cauley-Stein and they have Dwight Powell and they have Boban and there's some problems with that. Obviously, we've talked about it's, it's soft. They don't have a really good rim protector right now. Porzingis' defense has been poor. And so if he's going to play bad defense, then they need somebody. The Mavericks' rebounding has been a problem for a while. Last season, they were a good rebounding team. But when they go up against a, a Gobert or an Anthony Davis or a, an Embiid, they really struggle in the paint. And so let's talk about Andre Drummond and what he is as a player. The first thing that really stands out to me, and I'll start with Matt here, The pick and roll numbers. Like, the pick and roll numbers for Andre Drummond don't make any sense to me. I'm looking back on them, and he this season, he is scoring, like, he, 0.84 points per possession on rolls. That's the 11th percentile. That's awful. That's like the, the, the bottom barrel. Back in Detroit, he was scoring, like, just over one point per per you know possession on rolls that's like he was in so in 18 19 he was in the 52nd percentile in 17 18 he was in the 43 percentile 
16, 17 in Detroit, he was in the 57 percentile. Like, this is a guy that has all the skills and tools to be a really good pick-and-roll player. Why are the numbers not showing me that he is <laughs> or, or even has proven to be in some capacity? One of the issues is uh, who's he running the pick-and-roll with, right? That's that's a lot of it. And 15, 16 for the Pistons. He was one of his better seasons, kind of his breakout season where he became an all-star for the first of two times in Detroit. That's when Reggie Jackson was healthy, and those two guys had a great game. You know from watching Drummond even just a little bit that he's throwing down alley-oops that are going up towards the rim with ease. He's one of the better – he's a freak athlete. Let's be honest about it. He's 6'10", 280, and uh, and gets up there. So if you're running uh, a good pick and roll with him, then he can be that guy. But the problem is – He's never really accepted that role of just like a rim runner type of guy, a good roller on that pick and roll, and then someone who should develop that that defensive rim protector thing. He's always wanted more. And in Detroit, when he was the second highest paid player, they give him the max deal back in 2016, give him that, that five-year contract, then rightfully so. He thinks he should develop his game more and be more valuable to the team. But the more he tried to add, it was inefficient. Yeah. And there were some games where the assist numbers were up. You'll notice if you look at the assist numbers better than your average center. Now, a lot of times because Reggie Jackson's out. So Stan Van Gundy uh, flips the offense around and puts Andre Drummond at the high post and runs some action towards the rim in that regard. And yes, it does work a lot of times, but it's not the most efficient offense and there's a lot of turnovers there involved too so it's kind of the theme of everything Andre Drummond is if you give him a baseline of these two or three things to do he does them very well but then if he wants to do more or you ask him to do more that's when things kind of unravel a little bit and you get a guy who's a focal point of a bad team as opposed to a complimentary piece of a good team so you know maybe in Dallas where that should be a good team Will don't, he? Don't give them hope. <laughs> yeah. Well, 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 could he be an addition to that team and be a piece for them as opposed to maybe what he was asked to do in Detroit and probably asked to do in Cleveland as well? Yeah, Evan. The other thing that stands yeah. out to me is his, his shooting around the rim. Like he's shooting forty eight point four percent on two point shots this this season in Cleveland. Like, what is up with his touch around the rim? There's an incredible, incredible Reddit video on, uh, on Reddit NBA of Andre Drummond is the worst offensive player in the NBA, and just all these clips of him just just trying to score, like like Matt said, be the be the distributor and trying to you know create his own ba- you know shots around the basket. What is up with Andre Drummond's touch around the rim? It's kind of non-existent, and it's something Chris. Well, when he was first traded to Cleveland, you just look at him like, oh, he's putting up elite greatest of all time rebounding numbers like it truly gaudy stats i mean for his career he's averaging 13.8 boards per game in this season for cleveland in the 25 games he played he averaged 13.5 boards yeah it's a lot but there's a direct correlation between those rebounding numbers and the fact that he's such a poor finisher at the rim because more often than not cleveland's offense was very slow and rudimentary whenever andre played and they would just get the ball to him in the low post he would try and post up whoever's opposition was try and bank them out down low and then try and finish at the rim miss rebound try and finish at the rim again we call those rebounds drummonds in detroit by the way (laughs) those are called those rebounds are called drummonds so you'd see that most possessions and then it became even more clear how detrimental he was offensively, at least. And I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to lowball him completely because I think Andre Drummond's a fine player. I just think he's overpaid for what he's, his production and true value is. But when Jared Allen came to Cleveland, it was a night and day difference because Jared Allen's like one of the most elite finishers in the league. I think he's at the season 70% of his attempts at the rim or like those are completions. Like that's absurd to think it's about, good. but it's, it's almost very as good as Luca last year. 
Yeah, there you go. And which is, um which is insane. It is. But um <laughs> no, I like like Matt was saying like if Andre was put in a system where maybe he's a little bit more held accountable and he's not asked to do too much. Cause I think that's a good case of what it was in Cleveland too. There's a lot of expectations for him to be an all-star caliber player again and kind of carry the load alongside Kevin Love. And then when Kevin Love was sidelined again, surprise, surprise with injury, like he has to shoulder an even bigger load while he has to wait for a bunch of young guards to develop and learn how to act as primary initiators. And sure, Darius Garland shows flashes of that, but it's just a lot of the weight of the offense leaned on Andre Drummond. And then when the Cavs pulled him, they kind of had to do scoring by committee. So it was all five players involved instead of just leaning on an all-star caliber player. It's interesting to see like the disconnect, right? That that he like Matt was saying, he should be this player and he should try to fit into this role. And this is he would be incredible. It's kind of like the Dwight Howard thing, right? If he would only just be this role, if he would just be the rolling rim protector type guy that Dwight Howard's kind of become, he would be great. But he was doing yeah. all the post-ups and all that kind of stuff. It's just the the disconnect of a a center that wants to be a star player. Coming up, I want to get into some more about this, and we're definitely going to get into positives. You guys have mentioned a couple already, but there's some good things about Andre Drummond that Isaac and I, I think, have avoided because we don't think he's the best fit for the Mavericks. But if this becomes a thing, we want to know everything about Andre Drummond as a player. So coming up, we'll get into that and talk about that with Matt and Evan. But before we do that, let's talk about Headspace. It's your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing in the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. This stuff really works. They have the stats. They have the numbers. The analytics are there to back it up. So whatever the situation, Headspace can really help you feel better. Overwhelmed, Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. I know everyone needs that. And sometimes a lot of you need that during Mavericks games. Just do a three-minute SOS during halftime, and that could help you. If you need help falling asleep, Headspace has some wind-down sessions that their members swear by. So, you deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash NBA. That's headspace.com slash NBA for a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. So, if you need some help, everyone says mental health is such an important thing right now, especially during this pandemic and the storms that happen in Texas. There's a lot of stuff going on. If you need some help, Headspace is the first step for you. The best deal offer right now, head to headspace.com slash NBA today. And bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but college sports, NBA, NHL, so many other things that you can bet on on betonline.ag. There are so many lines, so much stuff that you can get into if you really wanted to start digging. Just actually, just right now, go to betonline.ag. And if you sign up for an account, use the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. They have so many different lines. Just go start digging on all this stuff. The Mavericks are a seven point favorite against Orlando. Uh, on Monday. That is a really, really interesting line right there. Seven points seems like a lot, but Orlando is really struggling. The Mavericks, I think, match up really well with them. Seven point line for the Mavericks, so go check that out. BetOnline.ag, promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. We're covering everything you need to know about the Dallas Mavericks, but what about the rest of sports now? The Locked On Today podcast has you covered. It's hosted by the great Peter Bukowski, and it has all the sports news you need every morning. In under 20 minutes, subscribe to the Locked On Today podcast wherever you get your pods. All right, gentlemen, let's get into some more about Andre Drummond. I want to talk about the defense. We talked about his pick-and-roll numbers, his touch around the rim, his defense, Matt... 
Andre Drummond should be an incredible rim protector. And he puts, I mean, he, he gets blocks and stats. But to me, anytime I watch him, it just seems like he's Hassan Whitesiding it, right? Like he just chases the blocks and stats and or the blocks and steals. And then he gives up a whole bunch of stuff at the rim that doesn't necessarily show up in a normal box score. Am I right on that? Or is there more on Andre Drummond there? Yeah, a lot of inconsistency there. There will be, I mean, if you pulled up some of the, the cleaning the glass stats the last couple of years, you can, you can put together a case that he's, you know, one of the top half of the center's in the NBA, but then, I mean, it's, it's, it, those are just kind of numbers that you can, you can As a talk. Defender. I don't think, yeah, I don't think that for, for rim protecting centers that there's a lot of great, now the Rudy Gobert's you won't find bad numbers for the elite guys, but the rest of those guys who are getting blocks and who do give up certain percentages of a field goal percentage around the rim, you could probably find different parts of their careers, but with, and you can kind of pull the overall game of Andre Drummond into it with the with the rim protecting is that it's very inconsistent it's night to night and for a guy who's supposed to be the best or second best player on a team based on what he's paid it's just not getting that overall effort that overall consistency there's a bunch of dumb fouls in there there's there's you know fouls when the team grabs a defensive rebound on their side and he's reaching in to to get a foul to try to get a steal but again that can bring up some of the positives about Andre Drummond is he's really active around the perimeter. He can step up on a pick and roll and do a reasonably decent job defending a ball handler coming off of the, the, the pick there. So there are some things and there's a lot of uh, gambling around the perimeter to pick up some steals and those work sometimes, but that puts your defense out of position as well. So a lot of just immaturity and inconsistency. And I think that those show up, uh, more on the tape than on the numbers, and I think that it was something that after years and years in Detroit of seeing that night in and night out, uh, fans got a little tired of it. Evan, have you seen some of the defending in space stuff that Matt was talking about? The the rim protection, like you know, you, Cavs have had you know Larry Nance like such an important player because of the way Andre Drummond you know defends. But have you seen similar things in Cleveland the last year and a half? I guess. Uh, yeah, a little bit. I think. Early into this season, J.B. Vickerstaff did have the pulse of Andre Drummond for a little bit. And I do think the Jared Allen trade was what made things fall apart in such spectacular In what way fashion. do you mean has the pulse? Like he he had his ear and he was like – Had his this. ear and had his attention and his respect. Yeah. I think a little bit of it being a contract year was weighing on Drummond too. Like mm-hmm. I need to go out and perform and make sure I play my best in order to make pay bank next – whether it's with Cleveland or with some other team. But that's always just been the coaching challenge with Drummond. Like clearly he was not bought into Bayline the moment he came to Cleveland and then we only had – 10 or so games with JV Bickerstaff and Andre Drummond working together in tandem. So um, early in the season, like the Cavs had a top five defense for a little bit. And then things just kind of fell apart when injuries happened. Larry Nance Jr. Obviously, like you said, is a big part of that and played a huge part just in general for Cleveland's defense, because he's kind of a Jack of all trades, master of none player for both ends of the floor. But, Andre, weirdly enough, wasn't the best rim protector. He was serviceable, which is kind of what you're hoping for because historically he's not like an elite rim defender. Like it's really hard like to pull those numbers unless it's a Rudy Gobert because Rudy Gobert is just a specimen. But Drummond had active hands too, which was the interesting thing with him in Cleveland because if you combine him and Larry Nance, they both were creating havoc on defense where they were just swat trying to deflect passes or try and get the ball protect the rim at some point or some capacity and just work on the perimeter as well as like those two in tandem somehow worked. And then Jared Allen gets traded here. And I think Dre was kind of playing over, like looking over his shoulder a little bit, just kind of thinking like, okay, this guy's my replacement. Kobe Altman called him the future center for the Cavs. Like it was like a backup quarterback thing where you're like, ah, yeah. oh, dang, they just drafted this guy or take well, acquired this guy. The first game against 
I think it was against the Knicks when Jared Allen was in Cleveland. I called it the Joe Montana effect, a little tongue in cheek, just because, you know, he had Steve Young breathing down his neck off the bench. But like Drummond had his best game as a Cavalier. I think he had 27 points, 21 rebounds, a handful of blocks, a couple steals. Like this was, I'm like, because my co host Chris Manning and I, we hop on. I say, yeah, this is, this is what the Andre Drummond should be. This is what his apex should be as a player. But it's just so inconsistent. You can't get that on a night to night basis because. Drummond is just a bit of a wild card too, because I wrote about this for Forbes a while back where I said he kind of tried to pick up some of the habits of Brooke Lopez almost nine years into his career where he wants to be a bit of a tertiary playmaker and he wants to be a three-point shooter and he wants to kind of be a competent drop defensive player. And I'm like, yeah, imitations are sincere. It's the sincerest form of flattery is imitation. But it's also, you know, a bit of a mockery of what Brooke Lopez has tried to do. And it's just like a little bit of too little too late. Cause yeah, like Matt said, he's just so inconsistent at times that, you get those good games like that. And then you get just a handful of stinkers as well. You're like, I wish you could pull the hook on them. And then yeah, trading for Jared Allen just kind of made it more glaringly obvious and cast fans who were frustrated became irate whenever they had to see Drummond play and Allen coming off the bench. I scoured a lot of Reddit threads from Pistons fans and Cavs fans. I just wanted to see like, cause whenever you, you listen to fans that their biggest complaint is usually, you know, something that that player really, really needs to work on. And they have complaints that you won't normally see. Like, and that's why listening to like lockdown pods is great because we watch every single game and we know the difference between the stats and the actual eye test. Cause we have both mm-hmm. of those Matt. What's the, so one of the things that I saw a lot from Pistons fans was he's not a physical player. Like he's a, he's a specimen. Like you said, 6'10", 280, huge guy. He should be a super physical player, but a lot of things I saw was he's not physical. He doesn't set good screens and for Mavs fans, it's like, oh, we just need a big body to bang with Embiid and Gobert, and we can go back to some of the Embiid stuff. But there's like, like bring that, bring up some of that stuff too, where Embiid just kind of trashed him and like put him in a mine cage almost at, at certain points. Is there anything to that physicality and some of the Embiid stuff? Oh yeah, I mean Joel Embiid and uh, Evan mentioned Brooke Lopez as well. Those are two of the names that really stand out as far as people who have just dominated. Andre Drummond over the years to the point where he's like in their heads, you know, and Embiid uh, famously goaded him into getting tossed out of a game early last year. I think it was like the fourth game of the season and uh, just, just was in his head completely. And any physical center that's out there, uh, Andre Drummond's going to really struggle against the Pistons did make the playoffs and lost uh, got swept hard by the Bucks in the first round a couple of years ago. And Lopez is just, just, waiting for him at the rim and just stuffing him there and, and it's just something that over the like years Lopez defending him and Andre Drummond would just get blocked yeah yeah exactly Dang. because he didn't have kind of anything mid-range or not even mid-range but like six feet from the basket there really wasn't anything there that really that push shot that he does is beyond inconsistent to, to the point where it's just terrible so there's uh there's just there's not a lot of that mid stuff and then we look at the 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 mixtapes from the off season of him shooting three pointers and they they get eight in a row or something like that and that just makes the whole experience even more frustrating now to throw it back to a little bit of a positive if you look at the numbers between Andre Drummond and Carl Anthony Towns who's a less physical and more skilled center out there in the NBA that uh, Andre Drummond you know ate his lunch did really well and I think was like ten and one or something like that and put up really nice stats against Carl Anthony Towns throughout the years. So matchup dependent, Andre Drummond can be a real plus for you on a lot of nights. There's a lot of 30s and 20s out there, and, and definitely a lot of 20s and 20s out there that Pistons fans remember that were wins in a lot of situations. So it's not all bad. I don't want to turn this into the Andre Drummond 
dump fest, but uh, it just really depends on the matchup more so than a lot of players out there. That's another name for the Lockdown Mavs podcast is the Andre Drummond dump fest at times. Yeah, we handed it off to you guys. Yeah, <laughs> so it's weird how we got that mantle instead of the Cavs. But uh, have you seen yeah. any of that physicality kind of stuff? The not setting screens, Spe- specifically, he doesn't set good screens. That was a thing that I saw a lot from fans. Evan, have you seen any of that in Cleveland? Yeah, he does not want to be a pick and roll, rim rolling big man at all. It doesn't make any to. sense to me. No, it's he, so frustrating. Well, as, that's a young, exact- as a young player, there was a little bit of that with Reggie Jackson, but it just it went away after twenty sixteen. And, and yeah. Matt's point earlier, and this is usually Mavs fans' argument, is he he hasn't had a good guard to play with. So maybe playing with Luca, playing in, yeah. in that kind of system, would yeah. that would bring some of that out in him. But it's kind of concerning, Evan, that we haven't seen that in his career so far. Well. <laughs> To Matt's point, the Cavs really don't have a good guard either. I mean, Darius Garland has shown potential, and that's the buzzword of locked on Cavs when talking about Darius Garland <laughs> is he shows a lot of potential, but we're waiting for him to capitalize on it. Like last night against Philadelphia, he had a good game, but I need to see more of that to really believe in it. But like Colin Sexton can't move the rock at all. Matthew Dellavedova at times is the best point guard on the roster, and he's concussed currently. Dante Exum was too, but now he's a Houston Rocket and injured. So Can we go back? <laughs> the second name you brought up was Matthew Dellavedova? Like, yeah um we might have just, to do we might have to do like some can can techno like provide therapy for some Nick, of there, hosts, there's like, been some lean te- times out there for some of these teams throughout the nba not all of us can just uh go from yeah, dirk Nowitzki hey, to luka Doncic. we I, well it's true we did go from dirk but we, there are some times from from the Mavs the, the last couple of years too before the, the, i don't know i don't buy it <laughs> the Cavs almost had luka but then lebron threw a game against the nets that's the conspiracy in cleveland that Ooh, interesting. because the Cavs wouldn't trade the brooklyn pick that was the he threw a game against the nets and that was the difference between colin sexton and luka so Ooh. i weave I, sometimes i lose sleep thinking about that but this is <laughs> you aren't my therapist i pay him too much money to talk about these things but yeah he just to matt's point he's not a bad player i'm not saying hunter drum is a bad player do i think he's worth the 28 ish almost 29 million he's making absolutely not especially for what he brings to the table but i think if you put him in a system like dallas's where there's a clear established pecking order of luca's the number one player i doubt you get porzingis for drummond if it's a trade at all because porzingis has way more value than drummond even though people have kind of soured on him lately like let's say it's porzingis is your two and drummond is your three or four just depending on who else is on any given night and then you have an established coach like like rick carlisle who can maximize all of his players Drummond included like I I say Nick Nurse is another good coach for this like if he ends up in Toronto because Toronto for some reason really likes Hunter Drummond like Nick Nurse could maximize the talents of Hunter Drummond too like if you put a good coach in place with an established pecking order of players I think you're going to get a a body who can bang at times he may be adverse to it because like you're mentioning Joel Embiid he's six and one he's one and six against Joel Embiid all time he's three and ten against Rudy Gobert all time but to Matt's credit he's eight and one against Carl Anthony Towns so there's a little bit of a mixed bag against some of the elite big men in the league but I I don't know we'll discuss trades soon but I think Drad Dallas would be a good t- destination for him. I think like teams like Toronto teams that are actually playing meaningful basketball and maybe aren't going to ask too much of him. will be able to do a lot with him because he is a physical specimen. And I think if you get an engaged Andre Drummond, like you did at the beginning of this year, he's not a complete misstep defensively because he has active hands and he can provide serviceable rim protection. Like it's a little bit of everything. And it's a huge upgrade over what Dallas has right now at the five too. Interesting. All right, coming up, let's get into some more of, you know, the positives, talk about what happened in Detroit and Cleveland, and then let's talk about what it would actually take to get under Drummond. Is a buyout possible? We'll talk about that with Matt and Evan from Locked On Pistons and Locked On Cavs, respectively, coming up. But before we do that, Built Bar, it's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, now are even more delicious, sir. I don't know if we have to 
tell you guys any more about Built Bar. The mint brownie is still absolutely solid. I just had a coconut brownie chunk bar earlier today. They're absolutely delicious. Bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. For example, the great... Cherry Barcia that I love. 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs. You're essentially eating a candy bar with 4 grams of sugar. That's insane. It doesn't make any sense, but it's the way that they are. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. They're low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber as well, which is great for a keto diet. Again, go to BuiltBar.com. Use that promo code LOCKEDON20. You'll get 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON20. 20 for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs, how much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the great Locked On NBA podcast just starting up. Prospect scouting reports, draft rumors, and mock drafts. Full coverage of March Madness four days a week with cred- credentialed draft experts. Subscribe to Locked On Today. Subscribe to the <laughs> subscribe to Locked On NBA Draft Podcast wherever you get your pods. Man, I get confused with my Lockdown Pod sometimes, but NBA Draft should be good. Mavs Draft, Richard, who has been on this show, is going to be on that. So you better check out Lockdown NBA Draft. I think he's doing Tuesdays. So go check, subscribe right now if you have it, and check that out when Richard's on. All right, guys, let's get into some more about Andre Drummond. Let's, I'm just going to give each of you a moment to talk about some positives. Like the, the rebounding numbers, he's, you know, Matt, you've mentioned before that he's a good passer. That's something that I've seen in, in, in Drummond's career, that he can be a guy that will create a, a you know, a, a play for somebody else, which I thought has been great for him. His free throws have greatly improved. That was such a huge thing at the beginning of his career. His first five years in the league, he shot 38% from, from the free throw line. Last four years, 59.2%, which, you know, 60% from the free throw line is not great, but comparing to that 40% that first five years. And then health, he's always been a, a real healthy player. The Mavericks need guys that are available. Porzingis is a guy that they can't necessarily rely on that from. Matt, what are some some positives either through all those things that I mentioned or others that I didn't include? Yeah, I, mean, I just want to emphasize those that free throw shooting because it was just so bad for the first five years. And to go from 39% to 61% in one year was just outstanding. He had kind of an eye surgery that helped, or he had a nasal surgery actually that off season. And uh, it showed that, you know, there was, he was able to have more in the tank at the end of games. And there was a little bit of uh, uh, the, the eye surgery. I get mixed up because that was actually Tobias Harris who had the LASIK oh, yeah. here in Detroit. But then, uh, but but Drummond had kind of a nasal thing, which which led to a lot of people believing that that was kind of a breakout for him when he had that and going into a, a, from a, a bad 16-17 to a good 17-18 season. But yeah, the health is another thing. It's a guy who doesn't miss a lot of games. I remember in his final season, he had a concussion and only missed a couple of games out of that and came back really strong from there. So yeah, there are a lot of positives and uh, there is a little bit of development there throughout the years, just not with the things that you really, really wanted. Now with the free throws, that was keeping him off the court in at the end of games. You just couldn't play a guy who's under 40% from the free throw line. Cause it's just going to be hack a Dre all night long, but he was able to stay on the court and do some of those things. And at times there was good defensive play. So it, he's not a bad defensive center. And uh, if, if he, he can, Get some of those steals. I think the blocks and steals counting numbers are a little bit higher than you might see from a lot of centers around the league. Uh, but it's just it's the consistency and that night in and night in effort we're always kind of lacking. Evan, I'll throw the same thing to you. What are some other things that you've seen that have been positive? So let's actually address the rebounding. So is the rebounding mm-hmm. all that it's cracked up to be? Is it is it as big of a positive for the Cavs or some of his stat padding? Or 
How well, so, a little bit of stab padding, of course, because like Matt said, they're called Drummonds. I think that's a great nickname. I wish we knew about that because that'd be a good way to categorize it. But um, even when the Cavs did bench him, I did bring up to my co-host Chris Manny. I'm like, it's going to be really hard for a team like Cleveland to replicate and replace nearly 18 points and 14 boards a night on a night to night basis. Yes. Andre Drummond at times is frustrating to watch, but he still produced uh, granted. He took a ton of shot attempts sometimes like he, his usage percentage, I believe was 30.2% towards <laughs> the end in Cleveland, which is absurd for a five, but um, the Cavs really leaned on him and he produced at times. And like I said, at the beginning of the season, we got a really good sample size of what a good Andre Drummond, a locked in Andre Drummond is. And I think he's a fine player. I just think he's just overpaid. That's all it is. I think if like we talked about this before, if he was making 10, 15 million, I think he'd be a lot more desirable on the trade market right now. If he wasn't playing for Cleveland, I think a lot more teams be lining up for him. And, um, just some of the positives, like the rebounding. Yes, some of it's off his misses and some of it's his missteps, but also he is a good rebounder. He has good presence. He tries to work a little bit of that playmaking and outlet passes, maybe learning from Kevin Love a little bit. Did it work most of the time? No, but it did at times. Maybe it's more so of Cleveland's personnel. If you put a better team around him, they'd look better. But off the court, by all accounts, from everything I've heard about Andre, his teammates love him to death. I think he's a good locker room guy. The coaching staff said he's one of the best players they've ever worked with. It just didn't work out, and they just wanted to prioritize the future that's why he was benched they just went with jared allen and they said well they talked about it and andre and his camp said listen i just would rather not come off the bench and the Cavs respected that and told him to go home and said they'll figure out a trade like i think they handled it maturely i think andre did everything that was asked of him and then some jb vickerstaff said it was the hardest decision of his coaching career to bench a player like that because he's a beloved player and i think that's a good thing when you have a player who thinks he might be a superstar player he's getting paid like that but also isn't a locker room problem. I think that's really beneficial, especially when things kind of go to the wayside, especially if your team as bad as Cleveland, like Kevin Love gets paid a lot of money. He officially told the general manager, go ahead and find me. You pay me enough to begin with. You never had a problem like that with Andre Drummond, even when things are at their absolute worst. Matt, did you see similar things in, in Detroit with people talking about Andre Drummond? The big disconnect has always been like what type of player he should be and the player that he thinks he is. Is that some of, you know, was there problems in the locker room or no, with coaches? No fun guy, uh, likable guy. Blake Griffin never had issues with him. He was buddies with Reggie Jackson. I mean, those guys were the, sadly, that's the biggest names of Pistons lore during his career. So he got along with everybody. Uh, San Dre was a big thing one year when he was dishing out a bunch of assists. It's, it's, there's, when times are good, he's kind of an easy guy to get behind. And no, there's never been uh, any kind of locker room drama that Andre was a part of. I just think that Rick, Car I think Rick Carlisle, he's, a, he's kind of a, a surly type guy, especially with centers. Uh, we've seen Nerlens Noel, DeAndre Jordan, guys like that come through that just didn't want to fit into their role and would do things out of their role, and then it would just make Carlisle mad, and he'd just pull them immediately. And yeah, just just to kind of yeah. uh, build on what I was saying, the fun guy gets around with his peers, but but as far as Stan Van Gundy, who you know is a Carlisle yeah. type, there. It, there was yeah. there was friction between coach and player with some of the immaturity, some of the dumb fouls, some of the Dwayne Casey called it uh, sashaying down the court when he just take a rebound and <laughs> dribble it down himself when the results were probably going to be bad. So, yeah, th there's a little bit of headbutting between player and coach, though. Yeah, we never saw that in Cleveland. In fact, J.B. Bickerstaff encouraged it at times because he's such a player's coach. So. That's he, it. He That's encouraged the <laughs> He well, I, I asked him straight up. I said, "Do you feel comfortable with Andre just kind of taking the board and then going down the court and trying to initiate the offense?" He's like, "Yeah, I'm okay with my players doing that." And I'm like, 
All right. Well, that's a pretty definitive yes or no. So I, I won't ask further, but um, those are the kind of things that I imagine that if the Mavericks did acquire him, that Mavs fans would be like, no, no, please stop. Don't do not do they, that. Well, they've got people that need the ball in their hands to initiate yeah, offense yeah. as opposed to the Pistons back then. That's, that's the same for Cleveland. You have to think of this way for Mavs fans too. Um, I know Detroit did make the playoffs with Andre. He was a two-time monster there. He came to a bad Cavs team, and he's leaving a bad Cavs team. If he goes to a good Dallas team, like I said, with an established pecking order, I don't think you're going to run into as many of those problems, especially because I think this experience may humble Andre a bit, and he needs to be realistic and realize I am in a contract year. I need to try and maximize as much as I can, so I don't think you're going to get much of this freelancing because you saw it at times with the Cavs, but this year he really just pushed most of that, like, initiating the offense or shooting threes like he attempted i'm looking at it now he attempted 0.3 three-pointers per game which is a lot better than almost the nearly two a game he attempted last year with cleveland so he cut out a lot of the bull crap that came that makes fans frustrated with him and i think in dallas that would be non-existent and that's some of the risk, right? You take some of the risk in, you know, this is a situation he's we've never seen Andre Drummond in, right? With a team that has a superstar top five player mm-hmm. and is expected to win and has a hierarchy. And so it's just really interesting, the risk. That and we, motivated and needs to prove himself to earn yeah. a contract. It's been a long time. But what does what does motivated Andre Drummond mean? Does that mean he's trying to get some of these stats and throwing up threes? And it, apparently that's not the the case in Cleveland. But it's inter- it'd be interesting to see that. Evan, what would you think it would? What do you think it would take to get Andre Drummond? This has always been the other thing Mavs fans have said was, well, it wouldn't take that much. Like James Johnson and Dwight Powell send them to Cleveland for Andre Drummond, and oh. you know, in a vacuum, yeah, that would that would be a great deal for the Mavs, I think. I think that'd be a fair deal for the Ma- for the Cavs as well if you just threw in a second round pick. I, I think the, the around the league at least the expectation for Drummond is he isn't going to go for much because he's making nearly twenty nine million and that's just hard to find contracts for teams that need a five that just make that work. And like James Johnson, do you say James Johnson and Dwight Powell? Yeah, yeah, those two in a in a if you throw in a second round pick, I think the Cavs would agree to that. I think Dwight Powell would be. Uh, I mean, he's making 11 million this year. I don't know what his full contract looks like. I think that's serviceable because you can kind of slot him in as maybe like your backup five behind Jared Allen. I know knock on wood, Allen's had good health, but it's always good to have emergency depth as well, especially with how banged up the Cavs can get. But really, I think Cleveland's just looking or hoping to get some type of draft compensation out of this. I don't think it's going to be like a major trade because I look at it this way. I know Pistons fans were able to dust off their Brandon Knight jerseys, but they got Brandon Knight and John Henson, two (laughs) players not in Cleveland's rotation. Legends Legends in Detroit. There you go. And then they gave a second round pick via Golden State to take a swing at an all-star caliber player in Drummond, and it didn't work. So the Cavs are essentially gave up nothing for Drummond. They're going to probably get back not much for Drummond, but I think just a second round pick and maybe those two players, and I'd be okay with that. And if my cohort Chris Manning was on here, I think he'd be hitting yes as fast as he could because (laughs) – I don't know. I, I realistically don't think Drummond's going to get traded, though. I think the deadline will come and pass, and the Cavs will just do right by him and his agent and buy him out and allow him to sign with any contender he wants because just it's the money that makes things so complicated in trading him because either teams have to gut their rosters or the Cavs may not get a favorable trade back. Or I don't know. It's just it's hard because I know Powell and Johnson make sense, but I guess I don't watch enough mass ball. Like, how vital are those two to the rotation and things? Yeah, so that's the reason why I don't know if the Mavs would do it. And this is going to drive some Mavs fans nuts, but they love Dwight Powell as a person so much and as a Mm -hmm. leader in that locker room, as a person that was part of the group 
that for the players association that created the bubble. That was, there was a reason why an instrumental for the, the league coming back. And he's been, you know, a leader, a great person in the locker room. They love him so much that I don't know if they'd want to trade him for Andre Drummond, which as a player though, he's coming off of this Achilles. He's just, hasn't looked the same. He's a guy that will always put in 110% effort and hustle and all that. He's an elite rim runner when He's, uh, he's healthy. He hasn't been so far this season, but if he can get back to that point, you have a good rim runner. Like he's a, I think he's just a solid backup center. Um, defend in space a little bit and all that, but I, I, he's had some DMP CDs, so has Willie Cauley-Stein, and that's the role that Andre Drummond would be filling. It's mm-hmm. another reason why I'm not sure Drummond would be so okay with you know, coming to the, the Mavs because there might be games when he doesn't play too much. Or he plays, you know, ten minutes. Or he could get a DNP CD if they're playing a certain team when Porzingis starts at the five and all that. And the lineup with Porzingis and Maxi starting at the you know the front court spots, those that's been working for the Mavs. So great stuff from you guys. Uh, we'll see if Andre Drummond does get bought out, and if he does, we'll just bring this pod back up and we can listen to it because that this is the player that the Mavs are getting. So you can follow Evan and Matt. I'll put a link in the description of this podcast for their Twitter accounts. You can subscribe to Locked On Cavs for Evan and Chris Manning doing good stuff on the Cleveland Cavaliers. Matt Shook doing stuff on the Detroit Pistons. They have Dennis Smith Jr. now, which we haven't really talked about. But right. if uh, you have any questions Playing about Dennis. Well. Playing yeah. well on Friday night. Uh, he put it together. He looked a little bit out of shape from not getting any minutes with the Knicks. But uh, Friday night had a good night against the Sacramento Kings and reclamation project that everyone is, uh, you know, low, low, low cost, uh, high reward type of thing. But uh, I'm assuming Mavs fans by and large are rooting for Dennis Smith, I would believe. right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, they are. It didn't work out with Luca. He didn't want to be the, the second guy. I didn't think that it would work out, but he was in the trade for Porzingis. So Mavs fans, thank him. Send him on his way. It was kind of weird when he the way he ended with the illness and the back tightness and all that kind of stuff. But I think that's kind of been forgiven now with Luca. I mean, you can't be too mad if, if Yeah. Is there any yeah. good way for those kind of things to end? I guess is the question. Right. Yeah. I mean, especially when the better player comes in and takes your position and, and things kind of progress as they usually do. But yeah, we'll uh, we'll try to take care of them here in Pistons land and uh uh, certainly not a guy that you would expect that they'll pick up the option next year, but he's playing for uh, his basketball future and uh, doing well so far. And we'll see if he can uh, stay in his good graces and if the Pistons can stay in his good graces and, and vice versa. And uh, maybe there's a long-term solution there for both teams. There you go. Guys, thanks so much for listening to Lockdown Maps. Peace out. Boom. His rookie year has claimed a dozen tonight to go along with 15 points. I'm not sure what Drummond was trying to do there.